Welcome back to the World Cafe. I'm Raina Duras, joined by John Morrison. John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cipher Radio on WXPN in Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. Every month he joins me for the Culture Corner, connects the dots for us across all different genres of music. And all this month, all of February, every week for Black History Month, John is going to take us on an exploration of the last 50 years of R&B music. Last week, we started in the 70s. Today... Headed into the 80s. You made me happy. This you can bear. You stood right beside me. Yeah. And I won't forget. Hey, John. Hey, what's up, Brandon? Not too much. I want to ask you what made the 1980s such an important decade for RB? The 80s uh, were a blockbuster decade for popular music in general. And, you know, R&B was right there at the forefront of a lot of musical innovation. But R&B was popping commercially, too. You had veteran artists like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder still putting out like these big hit records. Uh, but you also had younger artists like Prince and Janet Jackson who would become really like the biggest pop stars in the world. You know, it was a rich time for black music, top to bottom, commercially and and in other ways. You mentioned Michael Jackson. I mean, when you're talking about big hits from the 80s, Michael Jackson released Thriller in the fall of 1982, still the highest selling album of all time. Tell us about Michael Jackson and Thriller. Yeah, with, with Thriller... And, you know, a, a bunch of people have written about this and, and discussed this, but uh, Michael Jackson really found himself in the eye of like this perfect storm where where pop stardom and, you know, some, some important innovations in how media was delivered to listeners and audiences, they kind of met, you know, and it, and it kind of created this dynamic where, you know, you have Thriller's title track and, and songs like Beat It and Billie Jean, they all had these creative, uh, eye-catching music videos. And these videos found a home on MTV, which premiered a year before Thriller came out. So it it, it was a new delivery system for pop music. And, and you know, naturally, and, and as we know now, all of these songs and this album uh, was, was widely popular. And... With, with videos and MTV, uh, music kind of found a life outside of radio and live performance. So you had MTV beaming all of these like MJ videos directly into people's households all over the country. It really helped what was already a massively popular record become even bigger. There are lots of songs to choose from, but uh, let's just do the opening track from Thriller. Here's Michael Jackson, want to be starting something.
on World Cafe. That was Michael Jackson, Wannabe Starting Something. I'm Rena Duras talking to John Morrison today, World Cafe correspondent, who's here every week, all month, to talk about the history of R&B through the decades from the 70s till now. Last week was the 70s. This week, we're in the 80s. And, and it kind of feels like the 80s was a decade where uh, R&B started to become kind of synonymous with pop music, in a way. And Prince was another big artist whose popularity rivaled Michael Jackson's throughout the 80s. We all know his backstory, but what was it about Prince that made him such a unique artist? Yeah, to me, Prince uh, was like a complete fusion of really some of the best like musical influences that you could ask for, right? There's a lot of Jimi Hendrix in his guitar playing. Uh, he had bits of Stevie and the Beatles and Curtis Mayfield in him as like a songwriter, as an arranger. He took bits from Sly Stone and Duke Ellington. So in addition to being just like supernaturally talented, he had great taste and he knew how to fuse all of these different influences into something that didn't really sound like, you know, anything that uh, had come before him or anything that was around that he didn't directly influence himself. So in the 80s, you had uh, these Prince albums like Purple Rain, you had uh, 1999, the psychedelic record that he did around the world in a day. You know, all of these records uh, are classics and they're, they're packed with like hit songs that did well on radio and video and all of that stuff. Uh, but they're also incredibly musically ambitious. And you can see Prince, you know, really stretching the boundaries of of what was possible for an R&B artist, a, a black artist, a pop artist. He really made something that was uh, contained multitudes, but also very singular. Let's listen to a Prince song from the 80s. It's called I Would Die For You. John Morrison, why did you choose this song? I Would Die For You is a beautiful song. It's from Purple Rain. It has this kind of uh, ambiguity to it. It could be a love song, but it's actually a spiritual song. It's a prince, you know, being like a deeply religious and spiritual person. And it's just, it's a gorgeous song. You know, the uh, the the main melody is beautiful. The arrangement is very dreamy, but it also has like this uh, propulsive beat to it. It's, it's one of my favorite songs. So if it's one of my favorites, it's, it's one of the best <laughs> in, in my mind. <laughs> I'm taking your word for it. I would die for you. It's Prince. I'm your Messiah and you're the reason why I come. 
I Would Die For You from Prince. You're listening to World Cafe, where I'm talking to John Morrison today. We are in the 1980s, exploring the R&B world of the 80s uh, every week, looking at a different decade of R&B history for Black History Month. So far, we've heard Michael Jackson and Prince, two massive, huge stars. They ruled the pop charts in the 80s, but now we're going to kind of go into something where maybe everybody might not be familiar with uh, with the music they're going to hear of these artists. Uh, there's another sound taking over black radio and clubs in the 1980s. Tell us about Teddy Riley and New Jack Swing. Yeah, Teddy Riley is a producer and songwriter from Harlem, New York City, and he's worked with everybody from Mary J. Blige to, you know, uh, Usher, all of the greats of R&B, he worked with Michael Jackson, and he's probably one of the few people on earth that can confidently say that they single-handedly created a sound and a subgenre themselves. And, you know, that sound, New Jack Swing, will go on to really completely change uh, the course of black music in a lot of ways. It, it created a comfortable space for R&B and hip hop to live together. What is New Jack Swing? Like, what does that mean? Where did that term come from? New Jack Swing, uh, as a term and as a, a genre descriptor, uh, was actually coined in 1988 by the Village Voice writer and filmmaker Barry Michael Cooper. And Barry Michael Cooper used the term to describe Riley's sound and his uh, production style, which, you know, it combined drum machines and, and hip hop style production with a gospel and R&B sensibility. So for a brief period in the late 80s and the early 90s, New Jack Swing was was everywhere, right? And like I mentioned before, Michael Jackson heard this sound and he, he actually ended up being greatly influenced by it and eventually recruiting uh, Teddy Riley to become uh, his longtime creative partner and, and collaborator. Okay, so we're talking Teddy Riley and New Jack Swing. The song you brought for us is from Guy. The song is I Like. Tell us about this one. Yeah, uh, I Like is one of my favorite songs. You know, I, I love this song. I heard it a lot as a kid, and it still kind of gives me, like, goosebumps, right? The music uh, is beautiful. Teddy's playing, like, these beautiful synth chords in the beginning, and the song is all like love, it's, it's desire. The song was playing everywhere when I was growing up in the 80s. So it gives me like a nice nostalgic feeling too. I like from Guy. This is World Cafe. Girl, words can't express the way I feel for you. The way you hold me, the way you touch me. Girl, everything you do to me, you know I like. Your command, girl, you 
On World Cafe, we are exploring R&B in the 80s today with John Morrison. I'm Raina Duras. You just heard a guy I like. Okay. For the grand finale, uh, some would argue the greatest singer of the decade. I think that's a pretty, there's a pretty convincing <laughs> argument to be made for that. What can you tell us about Whitney Houston and her song, I Want to Dance with Somebody and Where It Lives in 80s R&B? Yeah, so last week when we talked about the music of the 70s, uh, I essentially said that no matter where pop music went or where black pop music went up to that point, the church was still there, right? Influencing black instrumentalists and, and black singers. And to me, Whitney Houston is really a stellar example of that dynamic. She grew up singing in the New Hope Baptist Church in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, her mom, Sissy Houston, also had a deep musical history in the church and as a member of a group called the Sweet Inspiration. So, you know, you can really hear the church influence in Whitney's phrasing, in her uh, virtuosity. And she's just a wonderful example of how the black church acts as a training ground for black musicians. You know, Whitney had uh, a way of pouring like the energy and spirit of the church and gospel into this pure pop song. I'm just imagining how cool it would be to go to church and like Whitney Houston is <laughs> singing there. A young Whitney. Oh my God. Just tearing it down on a Sunday. <laughs> Here she is, Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Listening to World Cafe, that was Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. I'm Raina Duras, talking to John Morrison today. Uh, we are going through the decades of R&B. Started in the 70s last week. We are in the 80s now. So last week at the end of the show, we talked about why seven, the 70s and R&B was so important, and and it was kind of like a lot of stuff was changing really fast. A lot of experimentation was happening and colliding with sort of traditional sounds. Why were the 80s so important for R&B music? Yeah, I, I think that it was a, a very similar dynamic, a very similar situation. You know, the 80s 
while it did uh, do a lot to blur the line between what's considered R&B and what's considered pop music to highly racialized distinctions, you know, you also had uh, black musicians who were making uh, music that was deeply rooted in the R&B tradition, you know, singers like uh, Luther Vandross, you know, Angela Wimbush, all these folks who were making this uh, quote unquote, like real R&B. But then as we discussed, you had uh, these folks who were making what they used to call crossover records, like these big pop records that lived and, and were successful and popular outside of the black community. Folks like Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Prince, all of this stuff. Much like, you know, the the larger history of black music, there's always this tension between uh, the creativity and innovation that happens in the black community and how that music exists in the broader community. You know, the 1980s were also the first decade where R&B got to coexist and play with hip hop music. And that's an ongoing relationship that's still being negotiated musically to this day. And when we talk about uh, the 90s next week, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see how those two genres would grow even closer. But that all started in the 80s and you can hear it in a lot of the music that would come in the decades after. I'm very excited to uh, hear what's to come next week as we dance our way into the 90s. John, thank you so much. Thank you, Raina. John Morrison is a podcast host and the host of Culture Cipher Radio on WXPN in Philadelphia, where we make World Cafe. He joins me every month for the Culture Corner, and he's joining me every week this month to take us through the decades of R&B for Black History Month. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe.